Um, I pray that you would help us to to um, to follow you intimately, uh, closely. I pray that you would um, just turn us into the kind of folks that are are people of the word, Lord. And as I preach the word this morning, help me to um, help me to be. Um, just the man bringing out your treasures for these folks to see. Help me to put, put your glorious gospel on display that folks would know that, that, Jesus, um, that Jesus carried the weight of our iniquity and, and that, that you have brought us forgiveness through his, through his life, death, and resurrection. Um, I pray, Lord God, that you would be with the folks here. Open their hearts. Help them to hear from you just over and over again that... that um, no matter where we've gone, no matter what we've done, no matter what our history is, no matter what everybody else is saying, um, that Jesus Jesus died for us. Um, I pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. So I, I've hit a, and I, I want to say I've hit an age, but it's not. I've hit an age. I I have a I have an unusual tendency in my life, and it's getting worse as I get older. Um where I will set out to accomplish a task. Like, my wife will send me to the grocery store, and I will have a list. And as I'm walking into the grocery store with that list, I will start walking around with a cart, and I'll think, oh, I think we're out of coffee. And I'll head over to get coffee, and on my way to get coffee, I'll go past a breakfast cereal that looks like the kids would like it, and I'll stop, and I'll say, hmm, that breakfast cereal looks good, and I'll toss that in the cart, and I'll think, but do we have enough milk? And I'll go get milk. And then I'll think, well, we need half and half. Oh, but we're almost out of coffee. And, and before I know it, I'm like the family circus cartoons, except funnier, um, with a little dotted line going everywhere but where it's supposed to go. You know what I'm talking about? Um, I, I live in a world of, of um, what's that? It was Up. Did you guys, anybody see the movie Up. There's a, there's a dog in that movie and he's perpetually distracted. He'll talk to someone in midway through a sentence, squirrel, you know, and, um, and, and what Peter is talking about in this little section of this letter today is the, um, is the perfect example of, of this. Like believers, um, there's a reason that the gospels call believers like a, like a flock of sheep because sheep are, easily distracted, and they wander off and get eaten by other animals pretty readily, as I understand it. I'm not a shepherd. Well, I am in a way, but anyway. Um, and, and he's going to be talking a little bit about the things that catch our attention and lead us astray, which is a big chunk of the focus of Second Peter. Um, and so we're going to kind of dive into this. We've sort of worked on it a little bit in the past uh, few weeks. This series so far, we've looked at Peter's claims up front. He's talked about being an apostle. He's talked about, um, you know, hey, I've seen these things. I'm coming to you with, like, this authority. And understand you're members of the family of God. Last week, he talked about, you know, look, believe the truth of the gospel because I saw it. Believe Jesus is coming back because I saw evidence that he would in the transfiguration. And because the prophets predicted it in the Old Testament. He says, don't take anybody. I mean, look at this. I'm an eyewitness. Trust me. And, you know, the prophets who've been proven right over and over and over again, they said it was true. And so trust the prophets and trust me. And so, like, this series is about to go full bore attacking, like, the false teachers who are there. And the nature of the false teaching, we talked about this before. Um, I'm going to refresh your memories. Like, the, these false teachers came along, and what they were doing is they were saying, you know, we're prophets. God has told me 
God has told me that Jesus isn't coming back. And so we should live however we want because God doesn't care. And so they were encouraging people to kind of like indulge in sin and live wildly and do all of this crazy stuff because Jesus is never coming back. We are never going to come to answer for this. And so like the church was kind of degrading. This is in Asia Minor, be where Greece and, well, Greece was and sort of is now, but Turkey is now. Um, like this part of the Roman Empire, he's writing to these folks and he's saying, look, there are people out there, they're teaching these things. And this is a problem because Christ is coming back, which is a big part of what we talked about last week. It was verses, the last three verses of chapter one, six, five verses. Anyway, um, and he's going to hold us to account. And so listen and trust me on this. So now Peter goes full, both barrels against these guys. He says, but there were also false prophets amongst the people. Now, what Peter's doing is he's pointing backward. Right, Because he just finished talking about the Old Testament prophets. He's like, these guys in the Old Testament era, like back before amongst the Hebrews, they would warn people as to what God was saying. Because prophets, we like to think of prophets as these guys who sort of tell the future. And for the most part, prophets, their job was to show up and say, fix what you're doing or God's going to squish you. Everybody with me? Um, they, they were people who brought unvarnished, hard sharp truth to bear and spoke on God's behalf. They weren't fortune tellers. They weren't palm readers. They weren't guys with crystal balls who showed up and said, oh, God's telling me. Nope. These were guys who showed up and said, quit sinning, quit doing this, quit doing that, quit taking advantage of your workers, quit, you know, abusing your children, quit, you know, sacrificing your children to pagan idols or whatever. Knock it off and get back into harmony with God's calling to you with the covenant. Um, and so he's saying, listen, these prophets before... They were there, and they were the guide. And he says, but at the same time, back then, there were these false prophets. And if you want to, like, like really read some heart-wrenching stuff, go back and look at, like, Jeremiah. Jeremiah is, like, one of the last, well, he is the last major prophet. I guess Ezekiel is a major prophet. But um, Jeremiah is there before the fall. And Jeremiah shows up, and he says, guys, God is going to, like, wipe out our country. Like, bad things are coming. That's, um... For I know the plans that I have for you. Everybody loves that verse, right? Right? How many of y'all can just say that? I know the plans that I have for you. Plans to prosper you, not to destroy you. John, what, what is it? <laughs> so show up to Good News Club if you want to. Um, but God says this is this grand thing like, hey, I am here on your team. I am not here to destroy you. And the reason that Jeremiah announces this from God is because... Babylon's about to march in and wipe out the country and take everyone away as captives to their home nation. And so the passage is, hey, I love you, and this is going to hurt you more than it's going to hurt me, right? And Jeremiah is announcing these things, and the um, there are false prophets all around who come along and say, hey, 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 that guy's really a downer. Trust me, we're doing okay. God's fine with what we're doing. And people are looking at the two options and they're saying, we can talk to the guy, we can listen to the guy who's saying, quit doing whatever we want or God's going to kill us. Or we can listen to this guy who says, you know, do whatever you want. God's, God's cool. God's cool. Don't worry. Which one are they going to pick? Well, historically, they went with the false prophets and eventually the nation gets really, really beat up bad. And I mean, it's, it's a really rough story. Um, Jeremiah's Lamentations, if you want to read how rough it was, that is the most depressing book in the Bible. Uh, Ecclesiastes is pretty close, but Jeremiah's got it hands down, I think. Um, 
So these false prophets were amongst the people. And so, like, there were true prophets. There were people who were really speaking for God. And there were other folks who came along and said, God told me this. God said this. And they weren't speaking for God. They were speaking their own desire and their own ambition and their own preferences. And so he's saying, listen, just as the, just as there were false teachers then, just as there will be false teachers amongst you. So there are false teachers then and there are false teachers now is what Peter's saying. So he's comparing the false teachers who are teaching this awful stuff like this Jesus isn't coming back, do whatever you want mentality. He's comparing them to the Old Testament prophets, the ones who were, who were false prophets. <clears throat> they will secretly introduce destructive heresies, even denying the sovereign Lord who brought them bringing swift destruction on themselves. And so what he's saying is, listen, these are guys who are coming along and they're presenting these false teachings. And they're saying, this is the way it is. Listen to me. God is cool with it. We do what we want. And Peter's saying, listen, these guys are, they're tricking you. Um, actually, we're going to quote this passage a little later, but um, Jesus actually calls them wolves in sheep's clothing. They show up, they look like Christians, they say they're Christians, they say that they're representing Jesus, they say they're, they're teaching like God's way, but in reality what they're doing is they're teaching their own thing. They're speaking on God's behalf. Um, they're putting themselves in God's place. And I'm going to tell you, we live in this era, right? You want to you wanna see examples of this, like you can sit down, like there's, there's a whole network devoted to bad teaching, uh, TBM. Uh, now, there's probably good stuff there. I don't know. I haven't watched TBN in decades. But I know there's a lot of guys that are on TBN who teach stuff that is just not the gospel. Um, when I lived in Indiana, um, there was a church nearby. Oh, gosh, there's somebody who might actually know what I'm talking about. Um, where the, they preached sermons very regularly that were very popular. But they were things like how to improve your sex life in eight steps. But that's in the Bible, right? Well, no, not exactly, you know, but, but just show up and we'll tell you about it. And it was popular and people were showing up and they're saying, you know what? I, I'm listening to this teaching and I feel better about myself. And I, I know that, you know, I'm on the right path and no matter what I do, it's okay. And, and in the end, what they're doing is they're receiving something that is not the gospel. And they're saying, this is great stuff. It's making my life better. But, oh gosh, anybody ever seen the movie and the band played on? It's a, oh gosh, it's a hard movie. It's about the sinking of the Titanic. Um, it's actually the good movie about the sinking of the Titanic. Don't watch that other one. Um, <laughs> but, but there's this story about the, this, this quartet that sat on the deck of the Titanic and played music as the, as the ship sank to try and give comfort to the people who were there. That's what this is. Right? It, the idea that like, oh, live your best life now. You know, and I, gosh, I beat up on Joel Osteen a lot, but oh my gosh. Um, you know, God, you know, I, I listened to a preacher uh, a few years ago who talked about how worship is about you. Well, no, worship's about Jesus. Like, we're worshiping Jesus. But it was, and the way they explained it was, we worship because it makes us feel good. No, we worship because God deserves worship. Um, There's false teaching everywhere. There's a lot of it. There's a lot of stuff where people will take one passage out of context and they'll turn it into, and this is why you need to plant a seed offering. And God will bless you threefold and you will get, you know, a whole kingdom in this world. 
no. There are folks who will tell you if you do not vote the right way, you will go to hell, and that's why you need to be in this political party because, and that's on both sides. I've seen preachers do it both ways, but it's the truth. Like The truth is that the gospel is about Jesus Christ dying for our sins. The gospel is about us being wicked and broken like by nature, and us rebelling against God, and us failing day after day to do good enough. And God sends his son because he knows we can never be good enough. And Jesus Christ lives this perfect life, suffers a death in my place, gets punished for my sins, and I am forgiven if I belong to him. That's the gospel. And Christ was raised again on the third day, assuring me that death is not the end. Peter saw it happen. Paul saw it happen. Like like the disciples, 500 other people here, we talked about this last week. Like all of these folks saw Christ come back, and it is this promise like death is not the end. We will all die one day, but we will all stand before Jesus, and we will all be judged. And we won't be judged by how good you are or how bad you are or how much money you gave at this bake sale, or which you know party you donated to more, or how many people you condemned and brought down God's fire onto because you're better than them, or whatever. We are judged by Christ dying for us. And that is it. Like, do I belong to Christ? That is it. That's what I'll be judged by. And I'm grateful for that because, like, I'm in trouble otherwise. Um, and P- Peter warns, their destruction is coming. God is not going to take this lightly. It is a big deal. I'm going to jump to 2 Timothy because um, this passage fits well, honestly. Uh, this is Paul writing to Timothy. In the presence of God and of Jesus Christ, or Christ Jesus, who will judge the living and the dead, and in view of his apparent appearing in his kingdom, I give you this charge. Preach the word. Be prepared in season and out of season. Correct, rebuke, and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. For the time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. They will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to myths. But you, keep your head in all situations, endure hardships, do the work of an evangelist, discharge all the duties of your ministry. Um, What Paul is saying here, he's saying, listen, the false teachers are part of the problem, but people will gather these folks around them, right? We we will tend to look for folks who will never tell us that that we sin. I mean, it's just an inclination. Um, we're, We're a little like the dog in in uh up right i know the truth i know the truth i know the truth hey that guy's saying something kind of cool we wander over here actually i was watching larry in the back with 15 kids running around him and he's like go this way and they're like (laughs) going every which way i was watching thea she went back and forth four times i couldn't believe it like like but it is that way sometimes the gospel says hey follow christ right he is the Lord over us. Like He is boss. He has saved us. He has bought us. And we belong to him. And so follow him because we belong to him. And we end up in these spots sometimes where it's like, hey, did God really say dot, dot, dot? And we come over here for a little while and then we get pulled back. And, you know, and then you get guys who come along and say, oh, you know, these three steps are all you have to do to be saved. And they have nothing to do with Jesus. Or these people are evil and this is why we need to hate them in order to go to heaven. Well, Pretty much no, like not not in the gospel. I mean, like, or this is the work you must do in order to be saved. I, I'm going to guarantee you, if you are working to get to heaven, you are not going. 
Because that's what the scriptures say. You cannot earn your way to heaven. Paul, uh, Paul said, if you plan on being righteous by the law, be prepared to keep the whole thing. Because you either do it all perfectly from the moment that you're born, or you're going to be judged according to the law you're trying to be saved by. Oh my gosh. That is the worst thing I could imagine happening. I heard a great comparison. Uh, um, Following the law perfectly in your life would be like golfing a perfect 18 game in 18 holes during a hurricane. <laughs> like, it just can't be done. It is, it is impossible. Um, probably with a Fisher-Price golf set, too. Um, <laughs> but we will naturally hit these times where we'll gather around us teachers who will teach us garbage. Um, self-help preaching is one of the most popular things right now. Like there are people who teach you, you can make your life on this earth better on your own by trying really hard. That's not the gospel. It's actually contrary to what the scriptures teach. Um, we downplay sin. There's another one that's really popular right now. Um, and this is sort of follows into this like, anybody ever go to a salad bar? I use salad bar as an example because I kind of want to talk about Golden Corral, which I hate. Um, but you, you walk down Golden Corral and you look and you're like, I don't like spinach. I do like mac and cheese. I need 48 of these rolls. And I'm going to dunk them all in this chocolate fountain first. <laughs> I'm just explaining what I think Mark would do at Golden Corral. <laughs> his head actually under the fountain. <laughs> um, and we try to treat God this way sometimes. We're like, ooh, obedience? Ugh. Crucify my flesh daily? Ooh. Forgive my enemies? I, I don't know, man. It seems like I forgave somebody last week. I don't really need that. I've I'm, I'm got that box checked for this lifetime. Pray for people who oppose me. Serve. Love. Um, you know, pick up your cross and follow me. Yeah, I don't need that stuff. But man, I love this grace. Let's dump the chocolate fountain in my bowl. Let's, man, I love, you know, and we start picking and choosing. And like, there's, there's this tendency in the church. We do this. Um, we, we want what we want. We don't want to take the sharp edges. We don't want the sharp edges that come with the gospel. I, I worked in a factory once and I nearly got fired one day. I actually managed to quit that job without getting fired. It was astonishing. Um, but I, I nearly got fired one day because I walked through the factory without a hard hat on. And and I didn't understand. I was there like a week. And the guy, the foreman sat down. He didn't fire me because he knew my dad. Um, and he said, look, if you walk through here again, you're going you're gonna to bust your head open and you're going to either end up hurt really bad and in the hospital or you're going to die or I'm going to fire you because I catch you. Don't walk around here without a helmet on. And I didn't understand. I thought, well, I just walked to the locker room from the front door. It's not that big a deal. Don't do it again. And about a week later, as I was working, I discovered every time I turned around, I was bumping my head on something. Right? And these are not like industrial machines are not nice. They, they lack soft edges. There's very little padding. Like, <laughs> I, I remember hitting my head the next day and looking up and thinking, oh, my gosh, I could stab someone to death with that piece. Like, what is that? The gospel is kind of that way. The gospel has sharp, pointy bits. In order to accept the gospel as true, it means that you have to understand 
you can't earn it yourself. And God saved you because he's merciful, not because you're awesome. That is a pointy edge. And the reality is that people don't like hearing that. They like the idea that God saves me, but I'm along helping and I help save myself. Um, they like to believe that, that, you know, oh, well, nobody gets judged. Everybody gets grace. It doesn't matter, except for Hitler and anybody who votes this way and people who drive with their blinkers on all the time. Um, I'm getting older. I can't judge those people anymore. Um, and we turn away to those things really quickly because it's easy. Because it's easy to forget Christ in favor of political power. It's easy to forget Christ in favor of the guy who's offering you everything. Like Santa Claus is a popular guy compared to the guy who says, be prepared to die for me. Many will follow their depraved conduct and will bring the way of truth in disrepute. Um, the reality is that there are a lot of folks who will live in harmony with, with false gospels and they damage the church. Um, I will guarantee you, if you spend a month on the internet just looking at stuff, you will see more pictures of guys carrying signs that say things like, God hates fags. You will see more pictures of those guys than you will see people feeding the hungry. I will guarantee you there are more people feeding the hungry than people walking around with really wicked signs. Guarantee you. In fact, I, I would say that there's probably... 800,000 people feeding the poor for every one man carrying a sign like that. But you'll see more pictures of this than you will of that. You know why? Because they're bringing the gospel into disrepute. They're damaging Christ. They are bringing about um, shame on Jesus. And it's not just those guys. I mean, there are guys who come along and they preach things that are just not in the scriptures. That we should hate people who struggle with sin. That we can judge people who who... Um, who stumble and fall, that we shouldn't bring people into reconciliation, that we should tolerate wickedness in our midst. Like, hey, it's okay. Do whatever you want. Like, God doesn't really care if you, you know, if you have sexual morals. God doesn't care if you look at pornography. He's okay with that. He put that in you. No. And this depravity, this conduct that is being brought out, that is being put on display, that is being taught, um, this this tendency to equate the gospel with a political movement or with, with um, consumerism or relativism or whatever other nonsense, it is damaging the, the gospel and it is bringing the church into disrepute and it's shaming Christ. And so when Christ says, or when Paul, Peter says, hey, lots of folks are going to do this, lots of folks are going to look at it and say, man, I love feeling better than the next guy. I love feeling superior. I can join in with this. And I can talk about how evil those people are and it's wonderful because I feel good about it. It's not loving your enemies. It's not being Christ to the folks you encounter. And we bring the gospel into disrepute when we do it. Um, so how do we know who these folks are? Jesus gives us the best example of this, right? Watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ferocious wolves. By their fruit you will recognize them. Do people pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Likewise, every good tree bears good fruit. But a bad tree bears bad fruit. 
A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, by the fruit, you will recognize them. And so he's talking about false prophets. He's talking about false prophets. I'm going to assume that this applies to teachers as well. Um, I think it's a fairly safe thing to say. Um, If there are people coming under the lordship of Christ, um, serving the people around them, becoming more humble, overcoming sin in their lives, becoming more and more like Christ. That's good fruit, right? Um, If the opposite is true, it's a pretty good guess it's bad fruit. If Christ isn't glorified in preaching, if the gospel isn't preached, that's bad fruit. Um, And it's not that hard to see them. And it's got to be about things that we, we sometimes, in Western Christianity, we like when people go to church. Right? Like, I'm, I, dude, I'm telling you, I like it when people go to church. Like, I, this, is, this is a part of what I do. I like it. Um, and so we'll look and say, oh, look, Stephen Furtick is a terrible teacher. Stay away from that guy. He is a guy who's pastoring a church of, like, 40,000 people. We'll say, but he's getting people into worship. But he's teaching stuff that isn't the gospel. Right? Oh, but he's got five best-selling books. But they're best-selling books about things that are not the gospel. We are about Christ dying and being resurrected. We're about preaching the word. We're about bringing God's kingdom into this world. We're about pursuing holiness. We're about feeding the hungry and serving the poor. Not about trying to get people to show up on Sunday mornings. Though that is a part of the equation, it is not the entire equation. And we get lost on it, right? Like, we're called to gather as the body of Christ. We're called to be together, not just because, like, I get something out of it, but because I bring something to you when I do it. Um, but we get lost on that. Oh, it's all about church attendance. It's not. It's about fruit. It's about new life. It's about Christ. And you can look at churches and say, are they turning people into apostles, disciples? Not, not apostles, disciples. Are they turning people into devout followers of Christ? Are they helping people meet Jesus? Are they bringing the gospel to the world? That's how you know what good fruit is. Peter closes out. In their greed, these teachers will exploit you with fabricated stories. Their condemnation has long been hanging over them, and their destruction has not been sleeping. And so he kind of closes out. He says, listen, there are folks all around us who are making stuff up. Right? Again, like, I can't tell you how many sermons I've listened to in the last six months where people have said, I had a vision, and God told me these things. And you listen to it, and it's like, well... None of that stacks up against the scriptures, but, you know, like you do you, right? Like, um, you know, they, they, they'll bring this stuff and they'll say, oh, God wants you to be rich. Nope. Jesus lived in a mansion. Nope. I've heard that, by the way. I didn't just make that up. Um, in reality, the gospel brings us holiness. It draws us into God's presence. And God is angry at this. Like, when Christ is teaching, one of the things he said is, um, he gathers children around him and he says, listen, if one of you, like, teaches these children to do evil, like, if one of you misleads one of these children, it would be better for you to have a millstone tied around your neck. Now, a millstone, I I saw one when I was in uh, Jordan. It's, golly, I don't know, they're big. And they weigh several tons. It would be better to have one of these millstones chained around your neck and be tossed in the sea 
than to be one of those guys on Judgment Day. You stand before God if you're out there, you're taking advantage of the flock, you're fleecing the flock, you're misleading people, teaching a false gospel, like, like, like stealing from God's people or standing in God's place and saying, oh, I'm speaking for God, when in reality you're speaking for you. Um, there's a destruction coming associated with that. And it's a thing that we need to steer clear of. Um, I urge you, brothers and sisters, this is Romans, to watch out for those who cause divisions and put obstacles in your way that are contrary to the teaching you have learned. And part of what he's saying is, if people are telling you this is how you buy your way into heaven or earn your way into heaven or act a certain way to earn your salvation, avoid those people. Keep away from them, for such people are not serving our Lord Christ, but their own appetites. By smooth talk and flattery, they deceive and the minds, they deceive the minds of naive people. Everyone has heard about your obedience, so I rejoice because of you. But I want you to be wise about what is good and innocent about what is evil. Um, I watched a sermon, I want to say five, six years ago. I know Jeremy watched it. I think he was the one who got me to watch it, um, where this uh, pastor got up and was quoting a passage where one of the prophets was like, all oh, the, the prophets are... It may have been Christ who said it. The, the prophets of the Old Testament longed to see this day, and you're blessed because you see this day. It's talking about Jesus showing up, right? And this preacher applied this to the audience. It said, this is the passage is about you. It's wonderful because, like, you guys get to see you here. It's about Jesus, right? Like, but it's not. The guy was teaching it like, you are the most important thing in the Gospels. You are the most important things in the Scriptures. It's all about you. You're awesome. This is a person using flattery and smooth talk. This is a person pouring the sugar out to get you to follow them um, because they want influence, because they want recognition or power, or they want people to do things their way, or because they, they want, who knows, their own appetites being fed. Um, and in reality, this is a thing that leads to destruction. Um, I'm going to close, actually, with a line from Corinthians. This is Paul writing, Be on your guard. Stand firm in the faith, be courageous, be strong, and do everything in love. This is a warning Paul tosses out as he's coming up on the end of his letter. And he says, listen, as you prepare, be on your guard. Watch. Watch. It is everywhere. There are people all around us trying to bring garbage in. There are folks all over the place trying to sell a book. But it's a book full of garbage. I mean, it's a book full of stuff that is not the gospel. Um, It's... It's self-help nonsense with a Christian veneer. Um, man, I'm really harsh today. Um, yep. <laughs> uh, there's a great line. Nobody's going to know where it's from. One person. What is your only comfort in life and in death? Can you say it? You can't, can you? <sighs> that I am not my own, but belong body and soul, both life and death. To my faithful Savior, Jesus Christ. He has fully paid for all my sins with his precious blood. And he has set me free from all the power of the devil. He also preserves me in such a way that without the will of my heavenly Father, not a hair can fall from my head. Indeed, all things must work together for my salvation. Therefore, by his Holy Spirit, he assures me of eternal life. And makes me heartily willing and ready from now on to live for him. This is from a medieval teaching uh, during the Reformation, um, it is line for line taken from Scripture. Um, 
We have to be familiar with the scriptures. We have to be familiar with the words of people who knew what they were talking about before us. We have to be grounded if we're going to stand firm. Because if we don't know anything, we can get knocked over pretty easy, right? Like if your feet aren't under you, you will get run over. You cannot win a fight without good, good standing. You can't. If you're going to stand as a believer, you have to be on your guard. You have to stand firm. You have to know what it is. You've got to know what you believe. And we are blessed. The church is blessed because we have one of the most amazing intellectual traditions like, like we could possibly ask for thousands of years of devout men and women studying the word and writing about it. And then other folks coming along and checking their work and where it is lacking, throwing it away and finding, you know, and finding new, like, good stuff. Like, it is an amazing thing to be a believer, and there's so much out there. My challenge for you is, is to look at yourself and ask, can I stand in the faith? Can I recognize a wolf when he comes walking in my door or somebody who's, you know, selling snake oil instead of the gospel? Can I pick that guy out? Do I know enough? And if you don't, what do you need to do to become that guy? Anybody know the difference between a bull snake and a rattlesnake? One will kill you and one has a rattle. But at quick glance, it's hard to tell them apart, isn't it? Quiet, Henry. <laughs> I'm betting that probably Larry can tell one apart at a glance. But you've seen 10 million of them, right? I, you're pretty old, I don't know. <laughs> I can't tell the difference of them at a glance because I haven't studied snakes enough, right? I don't know, I don't know the good ones from the bad ones. Um, if the same can be said about my spiritual life and my spiritual health and my spiritual safety, and if the same can be said about your spiritual life and your spiritual health and your spiritual safety, that you don't know enough to preserve yourself, the question is, what are you doing to fix it? Um, we're going to close in prayer. I'll let you go. It's... Heavenly Father, there was a sigh of relief just then. I just... <laughs> Heavenly Father, I pray that you'd be with us. I pray that you would give us discernment um, but most of all, Lord, I pray that you would help us to, to um, become so rooted in your word, so rooted in the scripture, so rooted in the gospels that we would um, be people who are impossible to sway. Lord God, I pray that we would be in tunnel vision pursuing Christ, that when the squirrels run by, we would ignore them. Um, help us to be people who, who know enough to know where we're supposed to go and what we're supposed to do, how to belong to you, Christ, and your son, Christ. I pray that you would turn us into people who bear good fruit and turn us into people who pursue those who, who you know, plant good seeds. In Christ's name, amen.